You are tuned in to 2SER 107.3, and it is time for Final Draft, books, writing, and literary culture half hour every week, all year. The year's almost over, and uh, look, it's time to get a little bit festive. Uh, Christmas did come a little bit early this year for 2SER. If you are a regular listener, you will know that we opened up a brand new book show, and I've got... It's creators here. I am joined by Flex and Herds. Death of the Reader. Welcome. Hello. Welcome to you both. Hi, we're here. It is a pleasure to be here. How you doing? This is disturbingly <laughs> calm. I love the relaxed atmosphere here on Final Draft. Here we here we are, and it's Christmas time, <laughs> and I just I, I I love Christmas. I like to get excited, guys. But something about Christmas stories doesn't always do it for me. Uh, your murder specialists mm-hmm. that we are <laughs> murder yeah. literature specialists. I love any good story. So we're going to talk Christmas stories and Christmas murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we get to our books, I I just have to say I find a lot of what what passes as Christmas stories to be very Christmas adjacent, and I think a true Christmas story needs a bit of mayhem. How do you how do you feel about just Christmas stories in general? Well, I used to be vehemently against the Christmas spirit. I was Flex the Grinch. I would, You're not Flex the Grinch anymore. I'm not Flex the Grinch anymore. Fair enough. Fair enough. There Grinch was a time in, there was a time in my life I'd bunker myself down in my room, avoiding the smell of the Christmas tree at the far end of the house. But I came to realize that I was really just wasting my efforts because it was so much easier just to let go. Mm-hmm. Just to let go and go with it. Those cheesy Christmas movies that we all think are awful and have no <laughs> idea how they managed to keep raking in the money summer after summer or winter after winter as they're made in the US. Why not? Just mm-hmm. sink your teeth into it. They're cheesy, they're cringy, but sometimes those are the best things to enjoy with the family. My goodness. Flex the Grinch, also just like the worst workout program to get rid of that pudding belly after. <laughs> um, see, I, I am all for the Christmas spirit. Mm-hmm. I just don't think those really uh, mistletoe and holly heavy stories are Christmas stories. I think, you know, there's a bit of a discussion around Christmas versus Christmas adjacent stories. Yeah. I think they're Christmas adjacent. And the fact that they have to, you know, drape so much tinsel over themselves means that they don't get what it takes to make a good Christmas story. Mm. And, and that's what I want to explore mm. with the stories we've got today. Yeah, I'll let you know, I, I don't watch a lot of Christmas stories. I sit down with the family. I have a good old Christmas dinner, that sort of thing. I don't watch a lot of them. I'll, however, I do enjoy stories that really, really pull you in on that Christmas spirit. I watched, um, I watched... I I watched Klaus actually quite recently. That was a, that was a good time. That Is was it? very much a story about <laughs> Christmas, I would yeah. say. So I enjoyed. Look, I like the animation. That's what I'm at for. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's is that the animation about the the true. True, like, the true story of Christmas, true, of course. Yes. Father Christmas. Apparently, that's what they allegedly. say. Allegedly, <laughs> okay. allegedly, supposedly, maybe. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I yeah. should watch that because the, the 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 true story of Father Christmas features very heavily in my thinking about yeah, what makes sure. a good Christmas ah. story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, like uh, people are people are tuned in, people signed up, they they hit subscribe in our mm. collective podcast to hear about some stories. So who wants sure. to who wants to start off with their Christmas story? Well, I will start with perhaps the most Christmas-adjacent story that I can. Excellent. It is from uh, And Four to Go by Rex Stout, a Christmas party featuring two detectives we know very dearly on Death of the Reader, our detective himself, Nero Wolfe, and his budding Sherlock, Archie Goodwin, perhaps one of the most colourful narrators in all of murder mystery history. 
we go through the preparations for Archie Goodwin's wedding as we prepare for a Christmas party on the side to a, a, accompany the wedding and things, as they often do in a murder mystery story, go a little bit awry. It's not just a happy murder, a happy murder Christmas, a happy wedding. No, I mean that. a happy murder Christmas is perhaps the most <laughs> apt description. It's of the amazing. Book. It's amazing. What gets murdered? Who gets murdered? It's just an absolute mess as we explore the very near periphery mm-hmm. to the circle of Nero Wolf. Something that we don't often do in the Rex Stout stories. Normally, we're off dealing with any who off in the country, off in distant wildernesses. We covered the Kanoa Spa in Florida where uh, a series of 13 chefs from around the world Mm. hunted each other down Mm. in in Death of the Reader earlier this year. But this story is set nearly entirely in amongst the homes of Wolf's close friends, and it's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Are we talking like manor house type, you know, lots yeah. of guests? The so New York brownstone, Christmas parties going on. Oh, is this American? This is, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Cool. So, all right. I, I've noticed you need a big house to do um, a Christmas murder. And this yeah. is a murder. Though. So, I've, no- I've been reading a lot that are also crimes. Mm. Um, and they don't get me quite as much. <laughs> uh, one that I read, this isn't what I wanted to talk about, but a Sherlock, a Sherlock Holmes Christmas story called The Blue Carbuncle. Mm. Um and the only thing that made it really Christmassy was was Holmes being overcome by the Christmas spirit at the end, and it it just went down like a lead balloon. I think the <laughs> he gets sto- Scrooge McDuck, does he? Or no, no, it's the opposite. He's all oh. he's all holly jolly. Um, oh, exciting! And I just the idea of someone stealing stuff at Christmas and then them having to find it, and then what do you do with it? And I just I don't know. There's it it, it got me too much in the crass commercialism mm-hmm. kind of way, mm-hmm. even though this was you know a blue carbuncle and it was you know very sort of Dickensian. So no, I yeah I don't like Christmas stories where they're just stealing stuff. Someone has to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, I'll, you I'll let you know. I went digging. I didn't want to just go with you know an Arthur Conan Doyle or an Agatha Christie. You know something conventional. <laughs> I want to go for something a little bit weird. I have found the Secret of the Pudding Bag by Peter Dodd, who is actually Charles Hamilton, who's written under like twenty five different pseudonyms, mm-hmm. uh, and he's written over one hundred Sherlock Holmes parody stories. So oh, that's goodness. exciting. This story published in December nine, uh, December. T- blah, 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 blah. This story, published in December 27th, 1924, follows Herlock Sholmes um, and his companion Jotson as he tries to solve the, the proposed murder of the crown prince of Schlackerswitzen, uh, potentially at the hands of a, of a pudding, a pudding bomb, if you will. And we follow Herlock Sholmes as he travels through the city, suspects his closest friends and allies, and discovers it was all about the Christmas spirit at the end. It's fantastic. It's a terribly wonderfully written parody dripping with satire and I kind of love it um those names are so they're so flagging the satire <laughs> yeah does they're great does the story kind of dive deep in the mayhem when it gets to it though? it I, I will say it does not open on a murder so to speak but the threat oh. is ever present and yeah it really just dives into like what makes Sherlock Holmes a ridiculous guy to begin with it <laughs> it drips in uh, his his egotism the kind of premise of the story is that this is one of the untold sto- stories of Sherlock Holmes that Watson would never write down so it's entire from his perspective and he speaks of how he was dignified in his purple dressing gown with the little green birds on the holly branches around the hem and it just keeps going throughout the whole story I really I really love this little bit of story. It's fantastic. So this is from this is from the Herlock 
Sherlock Holmes, Holmes, Holmes library. Yes, this is from his perspective, and it just shows how how fantastic he thinks of himself when he you know switches his cap, doesn't even cover his face, and says, "Yes, it was a perfect disguise." I it's do, fantastic. I do remember reading something or listening to something that sort of looked at how essential Watson is, mm. particularly for his mm. narratorial role, and how just it would not work if Sherlock were the one mm. telling the stories. Absolutely yep. not. They, they would either be about fifteen seconds long, yes. where he said, "I walked in, I saw immediately what was going on." <laughs> And I solved no, the crime, yeah. or they would be unbearably yes. intricate yes. in their details. Well, there's a, there's a nice little nod to that because Jotson is suffering from apparently stomach pains? Question mark. And uh, Watson says, "Well, I decided to leave Jotson alone for a bit, solve a couple dozen poison murders that Scotland Yard couldn't figure <laughs> out, and then I came back to him." And that's like ten words. That entire anecdote. It's fantastic. I love oh. it. Anyway, Peter Todd. Love All, right. Him. All right. So I've got. I've got a whole book, um, go. which I'm willing to lend you uh, guys afterwards if you want. Um, I haven't finished all the stories yet, but a few things that I've learned about a Christmas mm-hmm. murder mystery. It mm. needs to be it needs to be in a big manor house. Absolutely. Um, otherwise, how can you bring in the ensemble cast and also have spare rooms to murder people? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it helps mm. if there is some sort of Dickensian kitsch going on, whether it's acknowledged as kitsch or just being fully embraced. Uh, and yeah, like. It's better if the murder device is somehow Christmassy. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, 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 the, I, I'm not going to say too much. I'm trying to talk generally because I don't want to give too much away of my story. So uh-huh. I read this is this one's great. We've got Dorothy L. Sayers in this collection. We've got uh, Nio Marsh. We've got Arthur Conan Doyle. I'd already mentioned, but I actually chose Val McDermott's, uh, and it's called a very no, sorry, it's called a traditional Christmas. Mm, of course. And, because what Christmas wouldn't have murder? It's true. Yeah, um, exactly. And But it is. It's such a beautiful traditional Christmas, mm. um, I- except for the queer narrator, um, who is outside the mannered lordly family and coming in to celebrate with her partner. Yeah. And it's all very lovely set up. And um, then the, the patriarch is found dead. Uh, the patriarch, yes, it was the patriarch of the family. I'm forgetting that there was a previous patriarch who had died, leaving his son to be the patriarch. And there's a lot of to and fro fighting Christmas, you know. And because it's it's Val McDermott, we've you know relatively contemporary, so we can feel even though there's the the Dickensian kitsch, yeah. Uh, there's also that you know fighting with your family type of vibe that you mm. know everyone knows a little bit uh, mm. and. I can't say too much. I, I did want to. Talk, I did want to talk about how it was done and all of this, but it's one of those beautiful ones where there's enough that you can figure it out if you're on the ball. Mm. Um, but there's also enough just to you know kind of roll with it. Yeah. But someone someone dies in at Christmas in a Christmassy fashion, and it just made it for me. It was no, absolutely. I loved it. I think I think that the number one thing that we have to accept when it comes to Christmas murder mysteries is that Christmas is all about the spirit of giving, all about Mm -hmm. the surprise of a gift under the tree. And what better gift to put under the tree than a freshly bloodied corpse? Nice. You know, I thought you were going to say a knife, but a corpse is also a good present. You could put both on it. I like it. You could put both on it. A knife in a corpse. A Christmas ensemble. That's beautiful. I don't... I'm going to disagree a little bit. I, I think, I think, I think the spirit of giving that we we all associate with being the spirit of Christmas is is actually a product of mm. the true spirit of Christmas. But uh, I, I think it might be time for a track. Mm. And when we come back, we can we can maybe nut out what is the true spirit of Christmas. Sounds good. Sounds great. So, to keep us in the spirit of Christmas, but also a little bit of mayhem, 
Uh, I've gone back a little bit of a way and this is an absolutely fantastic Christmas song from The Hives and Cindy Lauper in A Christmas Duel. So whatever you say, it's all fine by me And who the fuck anyway wants a Christmas tree Cause the snow keeps on falling Even though we were bad You are here on 2SER 107.3 and we are doing Happy Holiday Festivities and right there we had a a classic Christmas track, Uh, maybe not one that you've been singing since you were a child, but it was The Hives and Cyndi Lauper in A Christmas Jewel. My name is Andrew Popel. I am joined by Flex and Herds from Death of the Reader. You're listening to a Christmas special here, joining forces between Final Draft and Death of the Reader. We are talking about the true spirit of Christmas. We've each brought a murder mystery to the table. And I understand, Mr. Purple, that you wanted to talk to us about something uh, something grim going on behind the surface of Christmas itself. I, I think Christmas uh, and murder go hand in hand because much like uh, a good murder mystery... I think Christmas is is using misdirection. It's putting on this really amazing front to hide the dark story behind. Uh, and that's why I love a good murder mystery. I love the darkness in mm. a Christmas story. Um, so, if we go to the origins of Christmas, I mean, we, we now have it as this kind of post-consumerist sort of orgy of mm-hmm. of uh, you know spending and eating and but you know then it was it was a Christian holiday uh, which you know has been celebrated for many many years mm. and kind of reached its peak in that um, Victorian uh, Dickens Dickens yeah. really brought it to the fore but before that it was it was a pagan holiday around the winter solstice the darkest part of the year it was all about survival mm. and what we think of as giving now was really uh, it was. On the darkest night of the year, you feasted, you saved, you saved things, special things to feast, and you were literally celebrating the fact that you were surviving. Mm. So, you got to that dark part of the year, you survived. So, this sort of happened around in pre-Christian times, you know, around the 22nd, 23rd in the Northern Hemisphere. It was cold. It was awful. People were dying. People were dying. And if you made it to that feast, you were celebrating the fact that you were still alive. And that's why I think... We love murder so much because maybe somewhere mm. in our in our Anglo-Celtic DNA, <laughs> uh, a little part of us goes, once upon a time, we were just happy to still be alive. Yeah. Mm. Celebrating that we're not that murdered corpse under the Christmas tree. <laughs> exactly. And so... <laughs> And so, I, I, I once, um, long-time listeners to Final Draft may remember um, Nick Healy, who was a brekkie presenter yeah. here. He and I had a long, long-running discussion one Christmas about this true story of Christmas mm. and about this idea of survival. And I used it to present to him that Die Hard is, in fact, a Christmas movie because it's all about a long, dark night of the soul where mm-hmm. you just, you just, you get to the other end and you survive. Uh, angry tweets, please tweet to at Final Draft 2 SER. <laughs> Hashtag Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. But um, so that's why, that's why I love it. Mm. I love that you've got a group of people ostensibly there to celebrate and really what they end up celebrating is the fact that they survived. Yeah. They made it. And giving is just, it's a byproduct of that. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to Christmas, obviously we have, you know, KFC has taken over Christmas in Japan and Coca-Cola has taken over the imagery of Christmas in uh, Western parts of the world with Santa Claus coming from a Coca-Cola advertising campaign, I believe. 
I think there's a whole lot. I've actually found other sources, yeah. but yeah, Coca-Cola kind of made it their own in mm. the early um, the early 20th century. Yeah, and obviously it's diversified from there, but some of the big imagery comes from brands is what I'm saying. Mm. And I think that as much as the original spirit of Christmas might still be there in stories like Die Hard, might still be there in the fact that we love these murdery, mm. gritty stories around that time of the year, there's also because we don't have that same, you know, need for survival that we do back in the days when it was just a pagan holiday, there's something not necessarily disingenuous, but, you know, it can be a little forced to try and just say, like, Christmas is actually entirely a gritty thing, which I don't think is what you're saying. But, of course, when we... uh, One collection that always comes to mind when we look at taking things a little too far for me is The Bloody Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter. Mm. It's a wonderful collection that deals with some of the underlying traumas that are maybe reflected in fairy tales that you know and love. And it's a fantastic collection for analysis, but as a collection to read, sometimes you're just like, oh, can we just... Just dial it back a bit. And, you know, obviously that's the point of the collection, but I do think that when you're dealing with gritty murder mystery Christmas stories and crime stories around Christmas, you're kinda, you kind of have to draw a line between, like, what is reasonable to say is still part of the spirit of the holiday. And one of the things I particularly like about murder mysteries around Christmas is that murder mysteries are intentionally goofy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at lots of portrayals of Poirot, Miss Marple, um, Sherlock Holmes, they all have that kind of goofy edge, particularly through the Watson character, for example, the story I brought today, Archie Goodwin, is a hilarious guy who's just trying to have his wedding go to plan when suddenly Santa Claus murders someone. And, you know, it's it's obviously a very silly thing with this underlying gritty layer. And I like that murder mystery and crime fiction kind of strikes that balance in a nice way where it's not trying to force us headlong into this old pagan survivalist narrative. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably as against those um, like sort of Christmas horror mm. where... <laughs> Yeah, you don't like uh, Klaus. You don't like those sorts of movies. I, I'll tell you, I love those ones. Which was which was the one which is about sort of like the evil Santa. That's Klaus. That's Klaus. Yeah, that's when he like has all the murderous Christmas toys that come to life and they turn into like monsters and they eat everyone. Oh, I thought Klaus that's was. A, I thought Klaus was like an animated. There is there is a Klaus the animated movie, but there's also or is it? I believe I believe it's another Klaus Klaus movie, but yeah, it, I think I think it's Klaus with an R and then Klaus with an L is the difference there. But yeah, oh. it's this really wonderful horror like movie about a family or a couple of families that are, like stuck in the snow and like we'll just go out in the snow and like find someone to help us when the power goes out. Spoilers, all dead. Everybody dies <laughs> in that movie. It's fantastic. And there's your there's your Christmas public service announcement from Death of the Reader and Final Draft. The Check one. the spelling of your film before you like leave it to babysit the kids while you wrap <laughs> presents. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you put on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but what you just uh, what you just described there just so perfectly fits more the horror movie genre, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's quite. I mean, someone has to survive for it to fit kind of my thesis of what a mm. Christmas story is. Sure, um, but I mean, if, uh, the the wonder of uh, the wonder of radio, the wonder of modern radio. Yeah. Uh, do we still say that? Uh, people are going to be listening to this all across the Christmas yeah. period, uh, including on on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am I am wondering if uh, this whole survivalist narrative isn't going to resonate with a few people uh, after their Christmas lunch with their family. You never know. Mm. And uh, I thought I would just mention because we've we've gone outside the antipodes here, but a really fantastic short story from Deborah Adelaide. Mm. Uh, her most recent collection is Zebra, and I'm just going to get. It. Oh, I had it here a second ago. It is called uh, Festive Food for the Whole Family. Mm-hmm. It is an absolutely brilliant story about the cook. 
Um, and it really kind of parodies our modern foodie culture and everyone's food fads mm-hmm. from from keto to vegan uh, with a, just the darkest, darkest heart. And I, re- I reckon... I reckon there would be some survivalist tendencies going on if you happen to be at that Christmas mm-hmm. lunch. And just that whole idea at the end when you sit down and you've survived and that's Christmas. <laughs> and that's when you want to... Sh- that's when the true spirit of giving comes out. When you're just like, okay, I don't hate you all anymore because I'm finally off my feet at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You survived not only the year, but also lunch with the family. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll actually be... Uh upside down or right side up depending on your perspective at the Mm. time that these episodes are airing and it's very interesting to me to look at the difference in our culture here in Australia versus on the far side of the world where it still Mm. is the dark of winter and also for countries like America where they have Thanksgiving and particularly if you're up to date on the internet's meme game Thanksgiving is a time of horror and trauma for people coping with old racist aunts and uncles Mm. that they don't want to deal with and I'd be interested to see you know we don't get so much of that Thanksgiving spirit here because it's not a festival that we celebrate but looking at how there's those similarities in the origins of the stories in the way that they're perceived yeah so i mean we've we've got our christmas here and we're celebrating surviving well done everyone well done we made (laughs) it to the finish line congratulations (laughs) we've we've come out the other side um and we've 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 you know we've enjoyed the murder and the mayhem I'm not, I'm not, I don't know where to go with this. We're the survivors. Um, I, think that's, I think that the only logical step to go from here is to decide who dies next Christmas and how we're going to do it. <laughs> Out of the three of us? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Be, wow. It's- <laughs> I mean, oh, my goodness. I don't want to be it, but... <laughs> Thank you for nominating yourself. Not me. Right. No, no. <laughs> so oh, next dear. year's Christmas ste- special for Death of the Reader and Final Draft. I guess you and I, Andrew, are going to kill herds. All right. And we're going to pose to the audience how they can solve it. <sighs> yeah. Sounds wow. Excellent. All right. Sounds excellent. <laughs> I would say their first step would be actually listening to this episode. That's a mm-hmm. good first step. That's a good first step. But um, I think for people out there who are sort of, you know, wondering about, you know, what to do in those days before Christmas. Traditionally, mm. the days where Christmas would actually start to be celebrated. You know, once upon a time, we didn't start in October or, or November <laughs> mm. or even the beginning of December. Mm. Uh, you know, people would start to buy and trim their tree, you know, in the couple of days before and they'd celebrate the 12 days after Christmas. Mm. Uh, but, you know, this is your chance. If you're listening to this right now, we, we're here to wish you a Merry Christmas. That we are. Uh, we're mm. here to recommend you delve widely in your Christmas reading uh, but also think about, you know, what what really floats your Christmas boat. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I'm most looking forward to the fact that all of these stories we've put forward today are short stories, which means yeah. that they mm. are manageable reads over the Christmas break while you pretend to pay attention to the uh, summer cricket game as the rest of your family cheers it on on the, the TV at the family gathering. Mm. Yeah. There's, a, there's a final note, actually, that we've all picked short stories and, and stories from short story collections. Uh, I wonder if there is out there hidden somewhere, like a big, long, you know, 500-page novel that is a proper Christmas murder mystery. I haven't found one in my recent travels, but I'd love to love to check that out. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Like, how can you sustain a long mm. Christmas mm-hmm. story? Yeah, because they're kind of goofy inherently. Mm. Um, not, not just the outright parody. It's like the one that I brought to the table, but 
all of them have some, you know, tongue-in-cheek humor that is inherent. I wonder if you can sustain that for more than, you know, 50 pages. I think that to some extent goes back to what I was saying about taking the thesis too far, Mm -hmm. where, you know, if you tried to sustain a Christmas murder mystery for too long, at some point you'd get sick of all the Christmas pudding and uh, you'd just dial it back to being a regular part of the year murder mystery. And Mm -hmm. then what's the point in the framing? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's... It's a, it's a bigger question than we mm. can answer right now. But people will enjoy their Christmas stories and they can always, they can uh, tweet us, they can email us. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a long form Christmas murder, we want to hear about it because we're probably going to read it anyway, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to find out. And someone is going to have to reenact it. Oh. At Flex and Herds, let us know. <laughs> what murder mystery story am I reenacting next year? Let us know. Well, uh, Flex Herds, it's Merry Christmas from Final Draft to Death of the Reader. And Merry Christmas from us to you. And Happy New Year. And however you are celebrating, wherever you are, uh, even if it's not your holiday, uh, not your thing, I hope you're having an amazing day. It is not the end of Final Draft for the year either. We've still got a little bit of time left, but I want to say thank you again to Ben and Felix, Flex and Herds from Death of the Reader for joining me uh, to to get just a little bit silly and serious about literature. Final Draft is books writing and literary culture. And if you want to hear back from our silly Christmas special on uh, Death at Christmas, Murder at Christmas, you can catch it on the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. While you're there, why don't you also check out the Death of the Reader podcast and all of the great podcasts that are available from 2SER. If you know another reader and you've already got them a book and you're thinking, well, what about a a sneaky free gift? Recommend the podcast to them. They subscribe. They get a new episode every week. I, um, I have got more coming up for you. And of course, we will be back in 2020 with more books, writing and literary culture, more great Australian literature, Australian authors for you to discover. My name is Andrew Popel, and it has been a huge pleasure this year, as it is every year, to celebrate books with you and at this season where i hope i'm getting some books as gifts uh i'm just so appreciative to have all of you out there listening to share my love of literature with uh so from final draft from the great conversations podcast from everyone here 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 at 2ser happy holiday merry christmas if you celebrate christmas and looking forward to many more in the future and as always happy reading